0: Good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all of you. If you still have your mother with you, cherish her and spend as much time as you can with her. I am with Tim in that category of having my mom no longer with me. It's been nine years that my mom passed away. And so I would just encourage you, love on your mama while you can. And, uh, If you would return half of the love that she's given you, you'll be in pretty good shape. All right? A couple things before I start this morning is um, next Sunday, I just want to remind you guys of a couple things here, a couple technical things that we have to take care of. Um, First of all, I'm going to set my timer here. There we go. Um, Next Sunday is a single-service Sunday. We start at 10 o'clock next Sunday. So if you show up at 9 o'clock, you can help the choir get ready to sing at 10. If you show up at 11, you'll get here just in time for the preaching. All right, so so you know that. But 10 o'clock till noon next week. Um, The other thing I want to announce is, and also during that service, because it'll be a joint service, we will have an extra set of buses running back and forth to the park and ride. So all of you that can possibly... Do that. We'd love for you to do it. To park, and park at the park and ride and ride the buses up here. We promise to take you back to your car at the end of the service. All right. Secondly, um, next Sunday night we will be doing, um, how many of you know we're in a capital stewardship program? We're about to start a capital stewardship. Thank you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that most of you know that. Um, next Sunday night we have a special event banquet that's taking place. And we have tried our best to contact all of you to invite you to that, to find out who's coming, who's not, so that we can prepare as we're going to the Hilton in Concord, and they're going to feed us there. We need to be able to give them a number of how many of you are going to show up. And so um, through that process, we've only had about 230 of you say that you're going to be there. That seems odd, because we're trying to contact about 1,400 of you. So somehow we're not... Quite making the connection. I'm not really sure. So, this morning after the service, there'll be some sheets in the lobby area there that if you want to attend that, if you'd like to be part of the invested campaign, we'd like for you to come to that dinner and be involved in that. But you need to sign a sheet out there telling us that you're coming, telling us what type of food you'd like, and whether or not you need childcare. So, if you would do that right after the service, if you don't do it today, there'll be no tomorrow. For this event, that is. All right? So just wanted to let you know that. All right. Let's get into our passage this morning. Um, we're reading from Malachi. I have in the notes here that Malachi 3, 6 through 12, but I'm going to start at 5, verse 5 of chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you went right to Matthew and go back one book, you're right where we need to be. Okay? Um, let's read that. Then I will draw, are you there? Maybe I didn't give you enough time, I'm sorry. I only have a certain amount of time, so I'm trying to get going here. Now, let's read that. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside The alien, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows." Then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So I thought about this passage when I was asked to speak on stewardship, on giving. And I thought, you know, the Lord very clearly states that The people are robbing him. But it's interesting that he starts out, that's why I started in five for us. He gives us several categories of sinners, of people that just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. You're following sorcery. That was common in the Old Testament, that they would have sorcerers. And um, basically, we would look at them today and we'd say, now I know you're not following, I hope that you're not following don't say, I, want, I don't know for sure. I'm hoping you're not following the palm readers and watching the stars to figure out what your daily life should be like in a Christian walk. I'm hoping that you're not doing that. If you're doing that, would you stop, please? That is not what you need to do. You need to get in this word and find out what he's got intended for you. All right? So that's one. But they did a lot of that. So what we would call that today in the modern terms is they were being deceived. There were people out there that were deceiving the church. They weren't the church yet. But there's people out there today deceiving the church. So be careful. It's an area of sin. It's a category of sin. Another one was adulterers. Do we have any adulterers in today's modern world? Of course we do. There's a lot of adultery going on. I'm in biblical counseling. I can talk to you about that another time. There's tons of it. But we're also adulterers in other ways besides just the marital relationship. God calls the nation an adulterer toward him. Very interesting. So be careful there. The liars, the oppressors, and those who did not fear God. He touches all those categories early on. And then, so sinners exist in many categories. Many categories. Sinners will face a divine judgment. Is that not in there? Hmm. For I, the Lord, do not change. Very interesting here. He's not only the judge that will stand in judgment over those people, but he's also the witness to the fact that they're doing what they're doing. If you show up in court and the very judge is the witness against you, I think you got a problem. Is that not true? If I showed up in court and the very guy that's gonna do the judging, gonna pass the sentence on me, is the guy that's the witness. I think I'm pretty much guilty at that point. And God being very just, he says, I will be the witness against you in court. Not only will I pass judgment on you, but I'll also be the witness against you. Wow. Very interesting. And in verse 6 there, it says, For I, the Lord God, do not change. Therefore you are not consumed. What does that mean exactly? He never changes. What? What doesn't he change in? He isn't changing his covenant toward the people. Because if he did, they would have been consumed. But he had a promise that he had made to their fathers, a covenant that he had made with them. And God's covenant, regardless of what you're doing today, his covenant doesn't change. His word doesn't change. He's immutable, he's unmovable. His love for you doesn't change. His love for this people, even though they were following sorcery, even though they were lying, they were adulterers, they were doing all these things, his love and his immutability, say that real fast, did not change. He doesn't change. So regardless of your condition, his condition doesn't change toward you. Wonderful truth. So now we lead up to that to get to this. They're saying to him, in this final section of Of uh, 7, in verse 7 there, he says, From the days of your fathers you've turned aside from my statutes and and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Now, that sounds kind of innocent. But it's really said more like this. How do we return? We never left. There's an arrogance in them. There's very much, they're just saying, well, we never left you. We've been coming to the temple. We've been doing all the things we're supposed to do. How have we left you? Now, he tells them how they've left. Your sorcery, your lying, your adultery. He does all that. But a very measurable way of finding out if somebody's following God and keeping his statutes is in the next section. He goes right after them. If you looked at it, you'd see that he's said several things about them, and they keep responding in this kind of a flippant way. Like, we're not doing that. Forgetting that he's the very witness against them. And how can you hide from God? You can't say I'm not an adulterer if you are to God. You could tell the pastoral staff you're not in adultery. We don't know. You can't tell God that. I told my kids years ago when they were first getting into those teenage years, I said, you know what? I let you leave this house under the, under the guise or under the circumstances of you telling me what you're going to do. But if you get out there and do something different than you told me, and nothing I can do about that, I'm trusting you. You can lie to dad, and you can lie to mom, but you cannot lie to God. Hmm? So that was a, I thought that was a great illustration for my kids. It, it put the fear of God right in them. Okay, so this is what god is telling them. You're you're lying to me You're doing all these things and then you act like you're not doing anything you fools It's foolishness to think you can trick god You're not going to do it So god has this complaint against them And they just kind of do that, but how shall we return? So he's offering them. It's an amazing thing here. You're living in sin He's saying to them would you just return to me? return to me now in order to return to someone it implies that you've walked away from them right the very implication of returning to me means you've left so now will you return to me well how shall we return to you we've never left well someone's not telling the truth here god's saying you've left me would you return to me what a wonderful invitation what a gracious invitation from god But now the measure of how you've left me. This is one you cannot argue with. How have you left me? Will a man rob God? Verse 8. This is God saying this now. He's using Malachi, but he's saying this. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. How can you rob God? The very one who holds your next breath in his hand, you're going to rob him. That seems a bit crazy. But he touches on it, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Once again, this kind of a flippant response. Well, how have we robbed you? We haven't robbed you. I've been giving my money in the temple. I've been doing all the things I'm supposed to do. How can I rob you? But you have, he says. Hmm. So they're saying, well, how have we robbed you? Look at his next response. He's has very direct. I don't know if you noticed that. He does not beat around the bush. He comes straight at you. There's no connotations of you trying to figure out what he's saying here. This is very, very quickly, uh, a very quick debate. In tithes and offerings, you've robbed me. Is that what yours says? Hmm. You know, I was looking up tithes. You know what the word tithe is? Everybody know what that is? That means a tenth. That means a tenth. But in this Old Testament time, I'm going to tell you what. Those of you who aren't giving a tenth to the church and think that's a huge number to give, um, you don't want to be back in this time. Because they really were given about 30% of what their income was. There was a couple different tithes that they had. They had a tithe every three years. They brought everything, all the tithes came in, and they fed the poor with that. But they gave 10% to the priest, they give 10% to others. They were supporting the very ministry that God wanted done. So they're robbing him, though. So how are they doing that? What happens when you rob God? According to the passage, you're cursed with a curse. Is that right? Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. And, and they, you got to remember, when, they, when they're being accused of this by God, they're taking it like, oh, how could you say that about us? Hmm? I think as a nation, as a Christian, so-called Christian nation, I was looking at some stats that said the church, people that consider themselves Christians, consider themselves members of a church, are giving at a record low level. In 1968, the level of giving from income-to-giving ratio was 3.2%. 3.2% of what people made in 1968 they gave to the church. That's a pretty low number. When you realize that back here they were given as much as 30%. Has the nation, were we in poverty in 1968? There was a lot of stuff going on back then. But you're giving at a 3.2%. 2 or 3.3 I'm not exactly I don't have it written down right in front of me. But today in 2014 that number is now 2.3%. So every $100 that Christian members of churches, every $100 they get, they're giving $2.30 back to the Lord. That's an interesting stat, isn't it? And it just keeps going lower and lower and lower. So, I know a lot of you say, well, we're not under the law. We're not under the tithing tenth, You don't find that in the New Testament. You don't. No, what we find in the New Testament is we find the little widow woman who gave everything she had. And that's what God said. She's the blessed one. Because the wealthy, they were given more than her, but not as much. Very interesting, huh? So, they are robbing God. They were robbing God. They were embezzling his goods when you rob. It's very interesting. You're robbing God of what he is due Is what he's telling them you're robbing him from what is his He gave it to you to begin with now. He's saying would you give it back to me a percentage of it back to me And they're refusing to even do that Kind of a so now what happens You are cursed with a curse because you're robbing me so now because of that and 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 then here's the other thing it wasn't just one person that was doing that in this passage as a whole nation they were living under a curse as a whole nation they're living under a curse Um, that's hard to believe in America that we're only giving 2.3 percent of our income and I would say According to this, we're probably, as a nation, living under a curse. Now, it's hard to imagine that whenever there's so much affluency. There's so much money that's just disposable income that's being tossed around. What bothered me about that 2.3% number is people are spending more than that on Starbucks. People are spending more than 2% of their income buying coffee. Huh? And now you all wiggling because I know you all buy Starbucks. I buy Starbucks, too. Let me tell you this. I wanted to say this at the beginning. I apologize for not saying it sooner. As I studied this and read through this and put this together, I was so convicted myself. It was like, man, how do you read these passages of Scripture without it affecting you? And so um, I, I think that sometimes we don't speak on giving because it's so convicting to us as, as, uh, as the pastors, even. We're like, Wow wow. And so that, that was very convicting in this. Imagine being charged with robbery by God. How foolish is that you think you could rob Him? He's the very one that holds your breath. He is. You're unable to hide from Him. Um, it's crazy to think you could hide from Him. It's crazy to think you could rob Him. But they were doing it. They were doing it at that very moment. But yet they were denying it. So I have thought of this when I was looking these passages up and and looking at this. I thought, there'll be people here this morning that will say, well, we're giving, so we're not robbing God. But then when you look at it in the context of what he's saying, oof, that's where I had to look at myself and go, man, are we robbing God in some areas of our life? And I think we can. I'm not calling you a robber. I'm just going to call myself a robber. At times I'm robbing him because I'm not always doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. In this even in this area of giving okay so there's a couple choices here you can live under the curse first of all you need to return to God if you don't return to God you're gonna live under a curse now I don't know about you that does not sound attractive to me to live under a curse from the God who holds my next breath in his hand who knows everything about me, knows where I'm headed, what's going to happen. That doesn't sound attractive to me. That sounds like something I do not want to do. I don't know about you, but that sounds like something I don't want to do. So what does he say? How can I get out from underneath this issue that I'm under? I'm robbing God. How do I get out from that now? What do I do to change that? Well, return to me, he says, in the passage previous to that, But now he says, how you get out from underneath that is this. Bring the whole tithe, the whole tithe, which probably represented 20% or maybe more. Some years it was more because they had the poor that they gave to, right? So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And this is the part that I like. So now this is interesting. When I read some of the commentaries, they said this meant to bring what you hadn't brought yet. Huh. So you're kind of in arrears in your giving. He's saying, bring it all back to me. Bring it all to the storehouse. So, but here's the part that we should all get pretty excited about. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it over flows so I've been hoarding my money and not giving it to God and now he's accusing me of robbery and he's right I don't think God's going to accuse them of something that they weren't doing it's just not who he is not his character so he's saying you've been robbing me now what do we do to get out from underneath the penalty or the punishment of the how do I get out from underneath the curse that we're under bring in the tithe bring it in and give it very uh, joyfully joyously you want to give that at that way so then what happens then he opens up the windows he says test me bring it in and see if i will not open up the windows of heaven to you until the point that it overflows blessings that overflow do you have blessings in your life right now that are overflowing If you don't have those kind of blessings that you can point to, maybe you need to look at the first part of this. Are you robbing God? Is it possible that you could be robbing him? I, I know I felt like I was by the time I read all of this. And um, we probably could have been just like these people here. Lynn and I, when we were talking about this, we called, have but we've been giving. But we've been, but, 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 but. No, not always Not always as much as we could. You know, we'd rather go to Disneyland. We just came back from there. Don't get on me. Had to go to Deborah's graduation, so we thought we might as well go to Disneyland, right? So bring the whole tithe in. Don't do like Ananias and Sapphira, please. Don't say, yep, we brought all we could when you got some buried in a tent somewhere. We know that their plight was not a good one. Amazing, they both had opportunity, and they both were struck dead because they withheld from God what they had promised. So you've got to be careful not to be like that. But really, I think about this, this is the monetary part of it. This thing feels like it's going to fall off my ear, I'm sorry. That's the monetary part of robbing God. Well, what else are you robbing him in? If you're robbing him in this area, I'm pretty sure you're probably robbing him in other areas. Huh? Does that seem logical? This is the one that you can really look at. I can't hardly tell. I can be very busy for God, serving him, doing all those things. And even in that, sometimes I can rob him because I'm not doing it with the right attitude or the right method. But to you, it would look like, oh, man, Larry's there all the time. He's always working. I could still be robbing him even in that. And how else do you rob him when you don't give your money? How else would that happen? Let's see. If I don't give money to God's church, how do the pastors live in this area? A full-time pastor is dependent on us to give. Hmm. So that I means Pastor Phil is depending, he's depending on God, don't get me wrong in this, but he's depending on you to not rob God but to bring the full amount of tithe and offering in so that he can continue to do God's work here. Is that true? Does that make sense to you? seems logical to me. I wrote that down because it seems so logical. By, By robbing God, you're robbing God of being able to use the men of God in the way that they can be used, freed up. Freed up to do the ministry. Freed up to do what we do here at Valley. Freed up to do what we do in order to do a barbecue for the people outside of the walls. Freed up to be able to support missionaries. All of that happens when you give. When you rob God, everything seems to be a little tighter to the vest. Okay? So we have to be careful in that. But he says to test him and that he will bring an overflowing amount of blessing in your life. Now, I don't think this is theologically maybe not the right way of saying this, but it just, in my own mind, it works. You got to be careful with what your attitude is, though, on this. That's why I'm trying to preface this a little bit. It sounds to me like that if I'll just give to the Lord, I don't have to worry about being cursed, and I'm going to receive his blessings. That doesn't mean I'm going to become a millionaire. That doesn't mean all of that. That just means if I'm willing to give, I'm going to live under his blessing. So I liken this too. this is the part that might get me in trouble, I liken this almost into buying insurance in a way. Huh? Don't you buy insurance so that if you wreck your car, you don't have this big debt to pay on your car, right? So you buy insurance so that if you get in a wreck, your car gets fixed. Don't look at it completely like insurance, but I'm thinking man. I get to give to God In a joyous fashion, which is a then there's a blessing in my life Or I can be stingy and hold on to everything And live under a curse A curse by the God of the universe Hmm. I don't want to live there. I'd rather be over here on the blessing side and I think all of you who are being really quiet right now want to live on the blessing side. Amen? It's okay to amen even though it's just me up here. Probably would encourage me a little bit. I know you, I know you amen Pastor Phil when he gets on you, so I'll just say, hey, if you would help me out, it's fine. Because I know this sensitive area of talking about money, okay? I have no problem talking about money, none, because it's in here pretty simple to talk about when it's in the Word of God. So we just bring it to you. All right, so then, uh, then, and then look at this, the next verse. So, if I give my money to God, if if I bring the whole tithe in like I'm supposed to, like He's commanded us to do, I'm keeping my end of the bargain, I'm not under a curse, I'm under His blessing, and then look, there's another thing that happens. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. There's another, there's a second deal. Like, not only will I live under its blessing, and he'll take care of me, but then, guess what? My car doesn't break down, even though I haven't changed the oil in 50,000 miles. My dishwasher keeps going year after year after year. That's how we relate it, because most of you aren't farmers, right? None of you are raising fruit for a living, right? No, I didn't think so. We're all in the city, right? But the farmer would understand this. Wait a minute. All my grapes are falling off the vine before they've ripened. Huh? That's what he's saying. I won't let your grapes cast before they're ready. They won't fall off the vine until they're ready. Until they're a product that you is profitable to you. Isn't that what he says? I will rebuke the devourer. Another blessing. Well, he's not done with blessing you. Because he says this, all the nations will call you blessed. Now, there's an inference here that they're not being called blessed at the time. The nations around them are watching them struggle. And they don't look like they're blessed right then. But if you do this, all the nations will call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I thought about that. I thought, you know what? Do my neighbors, when they see me, do they say, you know what? That's a delightful household. Those people are really blessed. And you know another word for blessing is they're happy. They're joyful. There's something different about them. Huh. Isn't that interesting? You giving. What you're supposed to give and I don't know what that is for you that's between you and God because I don't I say 10% is not a good spot I don't I don't think 10% is a good spot I think it should be more than that it should be more than that but I don't know what your bills are but I don't want to give you an excuse you should be giving and then God will take care of the bills I'm not worried about that I had one man that said uh I read this story about this guy that says a couple came to him and said, you know, we really want to give to the church, but, you know, um, if we give the 10%, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. We're just going to go under. So this is what the man told him. He said, you give the 10% to the Lord. You give your tithes and offering to the Lord. And if you're short on your bills, I'll make up the difference for you. Oh, Man. Well, that sounds great. We're ready to sign up. We'll start giving today. And then he pointed out, isn't it sad that you'll trust me to make up the difference for you, but you won't trust God to make up the difference for you? Hmm. Yeah, I don't like stories like that sometimes, but it's the truth, isn't it? We were in a stewardship program one time, and Lynn and I, a little testimony of myself, Lynn and I were uh, struggling along, and um, I worked for myself. I was self-employed. Hadn't worked in like two weeks. Just no work. Just wasn't coming in for me. And um, they sent a card out. We were, I think we were trying to pave the parking lot over here, and we were short $100,000 or 75000 or something. And they asked, they sent this card out and said, in the next 30 days, we need X amount of dollars. What can you do? Well, you know, when you haven't worked in two weeks and there's no money coming in and you're barely getting by, you're like, I can't do anything. So I just kind of looked at the card, not closely, but I looked at it and just threw it to the side. And then um, we came to church that Sunday. We were supposed to hand the card in that Sunday morning. Came to church. I didn't even have the card with me. And uh, so they got up and they announced this, say, hey, even if you can't give anything, just bring the card back so we know what to kind of expect from you. We know what not to expect. We know what to expect. All right. So we got home, and my beautiful wife says, Larry, you need to fill this card out. Because I was very much a procrastinator on it. I didn't want to do it. I'm like, okay, give it here. So I read the card. It's interesting they had written it this way. With God's help, I will give blank in the next 30 days. So I looked at that I said, you know what? With God's help, I'm going to give $500 in the next 30 days. Sorry to put an amount on it, but that's what it was. That would pay my house payment at the time. I hadn't worked in two weeks. We were struggling. How are we going to make the house payment? But I put it down anyway. And then I set the card on the edge of the table like that. And I walked away from it. Well, my dear wife walks by and she goes, how much? $500, $500, Larry, you haven't worked. I'm like, I know it. Read the top line. What's the top line say? With God's help. Hmm. You know what I realized that day? I don't need anybody's help to give nothing. I can give nothing all by myself. It's not problematic at all. That means I'm supposed to stop, but I'm not done. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So the the deal is, is that I put it down. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know this doesn't work for everybody, but I was self-employed. So we (laughs) went back to church that night. That's back when we were really holy around here, and we did Sunday night services every week. We went back that night, and we dropped that into the offering as it went by, You just put it in. In faith, we did that. Because I trusted God that he could help us. That night, we were sitting down making homemade sandwiches. You know what those are? Most of you go out to eat. We were actually making homemade sandwiches because we couldn't afford to go out and eat. So we were eating homemade sandwiches. And I'm sitting at a table, and the phone rang. And this is back when the phone was on the wall with a cord. All right. So I ran over, and I grabbed the phone, and I picked it up, and I said, hello. And this says, and guess what? It was the guy who had written the card out and sent it to me. He worked here at the church at that time. Larry, me and my wife would like for you to do some work for us on our house. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, we need an electrical service change done. We just want you to charge us whatever you normally would charge. I go, oh, no, I won't do that. You buy the parts, and I'll do it for you. You're a pastor. I'll just do it. Nope, nope, we insist. We've been praying about it. The Lord put you on our heart. We want you to do the work. How much does it cost to do a service change? I go, well, with parts and everything, I'd have to charge you in labor, $500. So I said, rather than me charge you that, would you do me a favor? I filled out a card tonight and put it in the offering plate. Would you just put the $500 in there on my behalf? He goes, it would give us great joy to do that. So I said, okay, great, appreciate the work, let me know, I'll get going on it. Went and sat back down, took a couple more bites of my sandwich, phone rings again. I yep, hello, hey, uh, I got your name from such and such, and I got some work over here I need done. I got a month's worth of work out of that next phone call. Um, I went and sat back down. It sounds like I'm making it up, I'm not, honestly. The phone rang again. I've told my I told my son I should have held on to that sandwich. <laughs> Another call, more work. Now then. Probably I probably picked up five thousand dollars worth of work that night. And I got to do a service, electrical service change for a dear brother in the church who then paid what I had said we would give. So in a way it almost didn't cost me a thing because I would have been willing to do it for nothing, right? So all that took place. That's interesting. That was (laughs) 20 years ago maybe. I can't remember right now when that was. It was a while back. I have never been out of work for two weeks when I'm looking for work and where I need to get work. I've never been out of work for two weeks since then. You can't rob him. Because if you do, you'll live under a curse. But if you'll bring your tithe in and your offering, you know what, it says tithes and offering, right? That meant both. That meant tithes. That was your baseline. And then there would be some other offerings at times that took place that you would be giving to that too. But if you give to the Lord, what did he say? I'll rebuke the devourer and I'll give blessings in your life Till it overflows Hmm. And then the third benefit of course Is that You'll be seen as a delightful Land Amongst the other nations And you'll be blessed And they'll see that They'll see something's different about you You give your money to that church You bet I do not to that church. I give my money to God. Huh? All right. So Let me ask you, I got three questions I want to ask, and then I'm going to try and get off this stage here for you. So I want you to think on this. Please don't be flippant or defensive about these questions. Please don't. Because these are the questions God's asking you. I'm, not, I'm just up here. I want to pretend like I'm a speaker box right here. And he's just talking through me. That's the whole goal. Hearing what you've heard, you've got to ask it. Don't answer these out loud, please. This is the question you ask yourself. Am I, robbing, am I robbing God? In any area of my life. Am I robbing him with my body? Am I robbing him because I'm not serving? Am I robbing him because whatever you put there? Am I robbing him because we're not giving like we should be? See, I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what that means for you. So it's a question you have to ask. It's one you have to answer. Am I robbing God? I'm going to tell you what, I feel like I'm robbing God. A lot of times I feel like I'm robbing Him. Am I giving God what is due Him? And then lastly, do my neighbors and those around me? see me as delightful and would they call me a blessed person and then you can ask yourself has the devourer been eaten up our product i know very sobering very sobering but it's a thought and it's a question only you can answer so how do i relate that to a capital stewardship program well that's part of those offerings tithes and offerings but we touch both. We say, are you, are you giving what God's given you, are you giving a portion of it back to the ministry fund here at Valley Bible? If not, you've got to answer why not. You've got to talk with God about that. And if you are doing that, or if you're not, wouldn't it be good to start? I think it would be great to start. You know why? There are so many blessings that God has for your life. And they're attached to, am I giving or not? If I'm not giving, I'm robbing him. I don't care what your circumstances are. If you're not giving to him, you're robbing him. And you're robbing the church, and you're robbing the ability to get outside these walls, and there's just lots of areas. So those are the questions I have for you. What are you doing? And then beyond that is to say, once you've figured that part out, would you join us in the invested campaign to pay off the debt in our own buildings so that we can then free up that money that we're paying on a monthly interest rate and things like that, free that money up to do even more ministry. We're not about uh, give more money so that I can buy a new car. Uh-uh. God will provide a car for me, Right? He'll provide a car for Tim. He'll provide a car for Pastor. He will. But are you missing out on his blessings today? Are you getting an overflowing blessing in your hand today? If you are, praise God. If you're not, maybe you want to look at some of this. So that's the question. Are you robbing God? Shall we? uh, Well, let's not pray. Let me get the ushers to get the offering ready for us. Now, I did the offering at the end. This was supposed to be in the middle. I said, you know what, I want to today offer you the opportunity to start giving if you haven't been. Or to look at that whole circumstance and say, you know what, we're not giving what we should be giving. So here's your chance (laughs) to get that started in your own life. Father, I thank you this morning for the truth of Malachi. I thank you that you allow us to return to you. You allow us to repent and change our way. And we can go from being under a curse to being under the blessings of the most bountiful God there is. You're the only God, but sometimes we worship a lot of other things that don't supply us like you do. So we thank you that we can get out from underneath the curse. We can start doing that today even. We can get out from underneath it. We can start... In a right direction with you and then you said you'd rebuke the devourer you would pour out your blessings you said for us to test you in this area it goes against your character for us to test you but in this area you said oh test me in this and see if I don't bless you in an overflowing manner Lord we want to be representing you we want to be delightful in this land and we want people to see the blessings that you provide for us Would you bless now this offering, bless the giver as well as the gift in Jesus' name, amen.